Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Miller, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ian Cummings. And listen, guys, last week, if you guys missed it, we did offensive fits, offensive NFL draft prospects to team fits. We were going to do both. We should have known that that was never going to happen, offense and defense. So listen, this week we have the defensive side of the ball. And listen, the the offense is obviously the more talented side of the football in this upcoming NFL draft. But I am, even though I was a former quarterback, I love defense. I've always loved defense. And when I go to, to learn things in the offseason, it has always been focused on the defensive side of the ball schematically. So... For me, I love trying to fit guys with certain schemes, certain coaching staffs. And so for me, this is even more fun than getting wide receivers to certain quarterbacks and and teams as well. So before we get into that, Ian, I always have to ask, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. I was looking forward to this one, the the prospect team fits in particular, because like I said last time, like we've done how many mock drafts since the start of the cycle? Like dozens, right? So, you know, you go through those and you start to match prospects with teams and you're like, hey, that's kind of fun. I like that, right? So then you kind of remember those. And like you like you said, the defense, I feel like it's more rewarding to find a good team prospect fit on the defensive side because offense is easy. Like, like last time, Malachi Corley, right? Dolphins 49ers just give them to a Shanahan team and let them work right like just simple things like that defense is more about you know especially in the modern NFL it is a chess game it's always been a chess game but that's even being more emboldened right so kind of how do you match what the offense is giving you how do you give the offense in optimal looks and things like that and I think you know figuring out how to do that with the prospects that are on tap it, it's so fun to mix and match and so we've got a few here we're not gonna be able to get to every single potential fit right but I know we've got some fun ones on tap Speaking of fits, everybody, the PFN Merchandise Store is now open and it's just in time for the holiday season. It is not Christmas yet. Visit the PFNmerch.com for exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, and more for the football fan in your life. Act now to take advantage of all of the sales and go to PFNmerch.com today. You've got the voice down. I, I, got, I guarantee that. And if you're like me, you, you're late to the shopping spree yeah yeah you still got plenty of time so yeah yeah, it's up there yeah all right let's get into the fun stuff now team prospect fits first one we're gonna go by team in no specific order we just first thought that came to mind and this was it the eagles you have jalen ford that would be the texas linebacker or any coverage linebacker in the day two range now i have to push back on this just a little bit because howie roseman hates linebackers more than I think anybody can hate most things in this world. And so I agree that they absolutely need the position, but we also have to look and see when are they actually going to spend the capital on it? Are they finally going to admit that maybe they need a little bit of talent at this position? And if they do, then yes, I I do believe that Jalen Ford is in that range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think... That was kind of the day two range for me, right? Like, I would Mm -hmm. love to give them Jeremiah Trotter Jr. He's my personal LB1, right? But I do think you're looking at him in the late round one, maybe early round two range if you trade back or something. I don't know if that's what they want to do. I think they would look at the trenches late round one. That's usually what the Eagles like to do is invest in the trenches, whether it's defensive end, defensive tackle, uh, maybe get a little preemptive on the offensive side of the ball. But I think 
if they're going to get a linebacker, if they're going to show interest in that, you look at N'Kobe Dean, right? You know, they took him in round three. Now, he had some injury concerns that pushed him down the board, too. And we've seen that rear its ugly head again in the NFL. He struggled to stay healthy, right? So I think if you're the Eagles, you need guys who have that feel and coverage, who have that route identification ability, the fluidity, right? The necessary mix of instincts and athleticism to maintain depth and make plays and coverage. Jalen Ford, to me, is a guy who every time I watch his tape, the eye discipline, the ability to read and react to QBs and what they're seeing is very impressive. And then Tyron Hopper from Missouri is another one that comes to mind, too. Uh, he's a very good three-down player, very sound in all phases of the game. Uh, but just guys who have that athleticism, not only you know the athleticism and the instincts to main, manage space and maintain uh, their depth and their route rec- relationships and coverage. Um, yeah, I think that's what you need for the Eagles. And me personally, right, I would only wait so long to get that because this season – opposing teams have kind of eaten against that multiple times they've kind of taken advantage of that so i want to see them invest in that day two is probably where they do it jalen ford siren hopper a few guys come to mind for me yeah and i think that they definitely should invest in the position i just don't know if they will at the end of the day now the next one and you had this one as well any defender and this is for the minnesota vikings yeah you wrote any defender that eats nails for breakfast i absolutely love that so I, I believe that you are talking about the defensive line is that correct it could be anything right but specifically the defensive line probably just because I think that's where the biggest need is for them corner Caleb Evans has played well this year Makai Blackman looks like they have something in that rookie I would give him a little more time linebacker and here's the thing like Brian Flores right he is that defensive coordinator who just loves to terrorize opposing quarterbacks with the blitzes right you know the stimulated pressures we've seen that the Vikings have done that better than most teams this year and Ivan Pace Jr. undrafted free agent he's been a big part of that man and you you ask me from the 2023 NFL draft cycle is there any defender that eats nails for breakfast in this class Pace would be at the top of the list for me, right? So I'm looking at this class, trying to find other guys who have that physicality, that tone-setting mentality to really fit Flores' vision. I don't know if I have a guy at Pace's level. Pace was just absurd. I mean, you watch his college tape. This dude was 5'10", 230 pounds, and attacking offensive tackles like eight inches taller than him, right? And he's still knocking them off balance. Like, the dude is a wrecking ball of carnage at the second level. So it's tough to match that, but... Also, just thinking about guys who have the necessary physicality, like Dallas Turner, to me, is one guy that I would love to see in Flores' scheme, not just because of the physicality, but the power element and the different things that you can do with him, right? Because he's a guy who can rush off the edge from space. He can rotate out to the flats. You know, there were some reps against against Georgia where he's covering Brock Bowers to the flats. Like, this guy is a freak athlete. You can do anything you want with him. And if he can continue to add a little bit more mass to his frame, continue to learn how to channel that power most effectively, right? You know, you've got a true joker on the defensive uh, defensive front line. I would be very uh, intrigued to see what they can do with him. So that's one that stands out to me. Uh, but I think just any defender who has that type of physicality, um, Flores has to be circling those guys. I'm really interested to see how Flores kind of builds this defense out because when you look at Bill Belichick and what he's done with his defenses over the years, and it's a little bit different because Flores is a little bit more aggressive than he is, but when you look at guys like Wink Martindale who blitz a lot, they haven't really all, most of them don't really covet the edge rusher position the way that the rest of the NFL does because they get a lot of their pressure from other areas, blitzing linebackers, sim pressures, things like that. And that's something that Brian Flores does as well. And they've already gotten rid of one edge rusher and sent him to Green Bay, mm-hmm. of all places. 
And so I'm interested to see what they do with, with Donnell Hunter. Um, somebody like Dallas Turner I think would be fantastic because, like you said, he can drop into coverage. He can do a lot of different things. The one guy that I kind of look at, and I know that the secondary has played better than we kind of expected them to this year. The one guy for me in this exotic defense is Cooley McKinstry. Because even though he blitzes a lot, he runs a lot of zone coverage on top of the blitz and just in general as well. And Kool-Aid McKinstry is somebody who, in a complex defense, I think could really flourish. And if Minnesota ends up picking midway through the first round, I think that he could be sitting there in your lap. And, you know, maybe Dallas Turner is too. So we might be having a conversation about both of these Alabama defenders there for for the Minnesota Vikings, but I think either could be a good fit at the end of the day for them. Are there any safeties that kind of come to mind for you? Because we know uh, Cam Bynum has I, been a good good fit with Josh yeah, Gonzalez, just, but like Harrison Smith is I, getting older. Yeah, Harrison Smith is getting older. I just don't know if they're ready to move on from Smith yet, and I don't yeah. know if they're going to do what like the Cincinnati Bengals do and draft a year ahead because maybe Harrison has a, a another year or two in him, but are they going to think that far ahead do they want to think that far ahead or do they want to go after needs right now Mm -hmm. and that'll be interesting to to follow as well for them one defensive tackle that i would aim for if i'm them and this is probably a guy that you can maybe get on day three unless he shows out a senior bowl which he very well could uh florida state's braden fisky i mean if you want to watch a high motor defensive lineman that dude is it i mean he always gives 120 percent energy i mean the torque capacity that he has the power i think he's very athletic and twitchy but the dude is just a hot motor guy. I mean, if you want the definition of hot motor in this class, in this interior class, he's a guy who gives everything he's got on every single down. I uh, would love to see that fit for him. And I think you can get that at a good value. But the gist is for the Vikings, just anyone who has that kind of physicality, tone setting ability, because we know that's what Flores likes to see. Yeah. The next we have the Arizona Cardinals. And this one, for you at least, was very easy. I mean, for the Arizona Cardinals, they can literally just look at Anybody, I think, on offense or defense, outside of maybe offensive tackle, but if you want to and you're in a position to take one of the top two tackles and you want to replace DJ Humphreys, then you could do that as well. Like, they could literally go anywhere in the NFL yeah. draft, and they have a ton of draft capital. You had Devondre Sweat and Jerzon Newton, which I love because I love the idea of getting interior pressure in a Jonathan Gannon defense. I mean, you could go with any of the edge rushers as well in this defense because he loves his edge rushers and he loves different style of edge rushers as well when you look at what philadelphia did they had guys that were more um you know two-point stance edge rushers can also drop back into coverage more outside linebackers and they had the more big physical defensive ends as well and that just adds to the versatility of the fronts that you are allowed to run defensively but it all comes down to that interior pressure and i think you know, somebody like Sweat would just be awesome because Sweat is awesome. Mm-hmm. But Jerzon Newton for that interior pressure specifically would be perfect for the Cardinals defense. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is this one isn't mutually exclusive to these specific prospects, but I think if you could come away from the draft with these two guys, like uh, they got that first they got two first rounders and then they got an early, a very, very early second rounder. So there is a scenario where you get Jerzon with that one of those first two and then get Devondre Sweat at the top of the second round. Like, if you can come away from the draft with that combination, that completely reworks your defensive line. I mean, Sweat, I did a scouting report this past week, uh, and he's a very, very appealing nose tackle. You know, one of those force multipliers who can help you kind of 
help increase the multiplicity of your defensive line. We're seeing more and more in the modern NFL, and this has kind of been happening for a while now, but you know, everyone's starting to come around along to it. Uh, is that fronts aren't static, right? Three, four, four, three. You know, very rarely are you going to be stuck in one alignment. And if you are, like I, I followed the Washington Commanders for a few years, especially under Ron Rivera early on, they really wanted to have that identity where, hey, we're a team that can rush four and just get pressure with that group. And that's great if you have that personnel, but that's a little bit more difficult to sustain, right? So you want to be multiple. You want to be variable, flexible, adaptable when offenses show you different looks. And I think Tavondre Sweat, really helps you accomplish that, right? He's a guy who can eat up double teams. He can eat space on the interior of the line, but he's also got some, some you know, underrated athleticism and twitch and torquing capacity and power uh, that he can use to generate pressure as a pass rushing threat too. I think he can be a lot more consistent in that phase, but the flashes are there. And then I look at Jerzan, just a guy who's, you know, 6'2", around 300 pounds, just incredibly well leveraged. The flexibility is some of the best that I've ever seen in my time scouting. Uh, violent hands, rapid hands, efficient hands, explosive, fast, tenacious. I mean, and a very sound run defender, too. Uh, he's as close to a blue chip prospect as I think we're going to see in this defensive class. So if you can get him and a no tackle to play off him, uh, that is a superb match. And then I look at that Texas combo, too. Like you got to Vondra Sweat. If you get Byron Murphy the second yeah. a little bit later, like that's another very good combination. They just pair them together. Yeah, exactly. You know, keep them together. I love that chemistry element, right? So for the Cardinals, it's, to me, it's simple. You know, I think the interior line. You've got Dante Stills, who's a very good pressure generator. I think he's pretty alignment versatile. But you're still you still need that force multiplier, a nose tackle, and you still need that game changing presence at three tech. You know, you still need that really elite pressure generator disruptor. So I think getting those two in this class and matching them together is probably one of the biggest priorities for me and just looking at those two guys it makes a lot of sense yeah i mean for me you're also looking at cornerback for them Mm -hmm. uh i I think you could also look at safety to pair with buda baker and so like i said earlier they can really kind of go anywhere it just all comes down to what jonathan gannon wants and what position they are in, in the draft to kind of attack that um, I mean, they obviously need offense as well. They could use an alpha wide receiver, and they might be in position to get one of those top guys in the NFL draft. Uh, moving on, the Dallas Cowboys, this is, I think, probably the second easiest, maybe the easiest player to team fit. It's James Williams, the safety, not-so-safety linebacker from um, – <laughs> Miami, and it's just a perfect fit for the Dallas Cowboys. It's a perfect fit for Dan Quinn's defense. They love that pseudo safety linebacker hybrid. He is incredibly long, and that's another thing that Dan Quinn really uh, covets defensively. So, I mean, there's just really no argument for me here. He's the perfect fit for the Cowboys defense. Yeah, you think he would fulfill that J. Ron Curse role if Curse were to move on? I think that's what he would have to. And, yeah. and I think, you know, they're. Curse was awesome for them last year and kind of the year before as well. But Curse and Donovan Wilson both have not played very well this year. And so he's all, his contract is already coming up. Donovan Wilson's will be up after next year and also Malik Hooker's. And I think they you know they kind of keep Malik Hooker in. Hooker actually got an extension, so that might be wrong. But they're going to need to replace Donovan Wilson and J. Ron Curse. And I think drafting a little bit ahead and getting James Williams and helping out at linebacker because LVE may never play football again as Mm -hmm. well. I think that that would be a huge help for them. Yeah. And you know, one thing, just guys like Marquise Bell too, like this, I feel like Dan Quinn has proven that 
you know, you get guys who have that size, athleticism, explosiveness combination, right? And just kind of figure out different ways to use them. And I look at James Williams and I see a guy, you know, there were some ways that he was utilized in that Miami defense, like going to deep coverage and too high and single high. Like, I'm not sure I'd, I'd have him do that very often at the NFL level, just because the fluidity is really mm-hmm. not there as much as you want it to be. I do think he's competent in some coverage looks, but I think you're probably getting the best out of him when he's in the box a little bit more, when he's able to use his physicality, his size and explosiveness, that hard hitting ability and that, you know, uh, that ability to deconstruct blocks to to kind of erode your blockers balance when you get to contact uh, like James Williams packs a punch man and it shows with mm-hmm. that frame so I think you know being in a in a role where he can weaponize that uh, I think Dan Quinn is probably one of the better defensive minds when it comes to figuring out how to use guys like that so that was one that stood out to me are there any you're the Cowboys expert here so are there any other defensive fits that you've kind of looked at as we go through this process and say like hey you know in this particular range I would really like this guy for this defense. You know, none that I really love for the Cowboys. It's it's tough because they, they really don't need much defensively. They have all the edge pressure that they could ever ask for. I like their defensive line right now. I think they got some young guys that are still growing. And so I, I don't really know where to go for them much defensively outside of, you know, kind of the safety position and corner. But this corner class, I, I don't really see guys that maybe fit what Dan Quinn wants in an outside corner. I think, you know, when you look at it, maybe Quinion Mitchell would would be a guy who he would be okay with, but it it kind of depends on what his length looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, six foot, you know, one ninety is okay, but Dan Quinn really likes six two, two hundred with thirty three inch arm. Like mm-hmm. he likes those big long corners that can play man coverage, and he can obviously play in man coverage just fine. But uh, it's just a little bit different in in this class, I think, in general. And it'll be interesting to see what they want to do with Deron Bland. Do they want to, you know, keep him on the inside and play more in the slot where I think that he is best fit, but he's playing out of his mind on the outside, even though he's a little bit smaller. So it's just a, an interesting situation that they have at cornerback. And I think that they keep Stephon Gilmore around, but I think the issue with that is Stephon is old, especially yeah. for a corner. Mm-hmm. And you don't know when that cliff is going to come up. So I, I think, planning ahead a little bit with him, re-sign him, but also try to look for some help on day two or day three in corner. All right, the Lions. I, I, I love this. I love pairing any interior defensive lineman with my guy Slim McNeil, who mm-hmm. I hope comes back fully healthy from his injury. Um, you had Michael Hall Jr. Um, obviously, Detroit is not too, too far from Ohio State. They're, yeah. they're both kind of no, in the Midwest there. Yeah, it's solid. It's in the same, the same. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Region. 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 That, they're in the I'm, same I'm region. I'm a writer. You'd think that would be just right at the top of the, at the mind. I, I don't know, man. But yeah, they're in the same region. They are. Uh, this is another one where it's not super mutually exclusive. Like, I feel like there's a lot of different defensive tackles that could kind of fulfill that role. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Ali McNeil. And I remember he was a big draft Twitter darling when he was coming out. And he's finally hit that that um evolution this year right you know obviously missing some time to injury now but when he was on the field man he was a very good presence for them yeah so getting a guy who can disrupt opposite him because that interior line like you've got levi on Wuzarike, but he hasn't really amounted to his upside so far in detroit you know might be more of a rotational guy in the long term so getting a player who is that high level disruptor right and a few things that i look for just within that mold um, I like guys who have really good natural leverage. I like guys who are quick off the snap, quick to react to blocking angles. 
I like guys who have really good torquing freedom, you know, get their hands on opponents quick and know how to channel that power rotationally, explosive, agile, hot motor guy, things like that. To me, Michael Hall Jr. is one of the better fits when you think about that quick winning disruptor, right? I do think when he's defending against the run, balance can be an issue at times. I do think he's still kind of fleshing out his arsenal a little bit more. But I think all the physical tools are there to be that guy who can provide that presence right out of the gate. And then you still have a runway to keep developing those tools. So I think well-leveraged, explosive, physical, good torque, right? You know, those are things that I look for. And I think the Lions need more of that. And I think Michael Hall packs a punch, but he's also had, he also has the athletic tools to kind of keep building on that foundation. You are muted, Dalton. Oh, thank you. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, the next one we have, the Seattle Seahawks, Brandon Dorless. And I love this one. Any buddy who is like 6'3", 280, mm-hmm. with a little bit of power and alignment versatility, like teams like the Seattle Seahawks, teams like maybe even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they're a good run defender, because I think that Logan Hall hasn't really been what they want him to be down there. Uh, I think that fits like that are, are really what we're looking at with some of these tweener guys. And, you know, tweener used to be a bad thing. But at this point, because of how versatile defensive fronts are, being a 285-pound dude who plays the edge, maybe plays the interior, but can do both, is a, a massive deal in the NFL these days. Those mm-hmm. guys are no longer you know, misused. They are used as five or five techniques or four eyes. And if they're able to stand up to double teams, you have a really good player on your hand. And so for me, I really like what you did here with Seattle. Yeah, I think Brandon Dorless to me is just one of those guys where he kind of alleviates some pressure for you if you're considering him because he can do multiple things, right? He can fulfill in multiple roles. Like he played edge a lot more this year and later on in his Oregon career, like earlier on, you saw him at three tech a lot more, right? He was kind of on the interior and he was holding up very well there. But now he's six three, he's still two eighty, and he's out here, you know, beating tackles to the apex with that explosiveness. He's showing a really good power component from the from you know outside rushing alignments too. So you know, I think he's predominantly a power rusher right now, and that's okay with his build. That's probably what he's going to be. Uh, but he's he's got that really good combination of proportional length and natural leverage being 6'3", 280 with the length that he has. Uh, You know, his hands are basically hammers, the point of attack, right? He's very good at generating displacement. So I just think, you know, wherever you need him to play, this guy is kind of that alignment versatile wild card for you who can kind of alleviate pressure just by, you know, hey, he's on the field. What if they rotate into this kind of look, right? You know, we can slide him into three tech and he can hold up there because he's got the play strength. He's got the density, you know, he's got the natural leverage and he's very good at using his strength to pry through gaps and make plays in the backfield. So I think, you know, just alleviating pressure with the personnel you have. Seattle is one team that has really shown a willingness to be flexible within that realm. And I think Brandon Dorless, better than most, uh, is a great fit in this draft. There are, there are a few defenses that I look at and I'm looking at like, hey, Brandon Dorless would be a great fit for them. Uh, the Packers mm-hmm. really like big edge rushers too. So he could be a fit there. But I think Seattle and Pete Carroll uh, and what they're able to do with versatile players on the defensive line, uh, Dorless could be a really good fit there. Yeah, and, and listen, as long as we're talking about big edge rushers, we might as well skip a few teams here yeah. and just go to the New Orleans Saints. Any 280-pound edge in this class is a New Orleans Saint. Uh, as long as they have the requisite length, they like their long defensive ends as well. And there's a bunch of those guys in this class. The one that I keep looking at 
for the Saints specifically is JT Tuimalau. Yeah. It's the, it just seems like a perfect fit for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a guy who wins with power, a guy who is that big and that strong, and uh, you know he's still kind of explosive. Yeah, too. explosive too. You know, I think that the big concern with Tuimalau has always been the flexibility, right? You know, yeah. the bend component. It's never been a big part of his game, and you you kind of worry if you can build off of that at the next level, but. The dude has a very good first step. To me, power generation, more often than not, is always a culmination of a few things. How much momentum you can generate off the snap, uh, how long and how dense you are, right? How heavy you are and how well you can channel that er early momentum into contact with full extensions, with uh, loading your hips, right? Loading loading your lower body and then the leg drive to kind of sustain those power exertions too. If you want to see a clinic on that, watch him against Old Shanu, right? I mean, that sack toward the end of the game that kind of helped seal the game for Ohio State. Uh, JT, you know, one thing he does very well is be a power rusher. And I think that's one thing that the Saints really love, right? So I definitely circling him. Last year, we had a few more guys who, who fit that description. I know Zach Harrison. Uh, the guy who came before him at Ohio State was another one that we kind of mocked to New Orleans. Like, if there's any guy that stands out as a potential fit for them, it's it's him. And uh, they ended up drafting Isaiah Foskey, too, who's 6'5", 265, I think around th- 34-inch arms, maybe a little bit over that. So another guy who really has that good power element. I was a big fan of him, but it's taken a little bit for him to get off that runway mm-hmm. at this level. Uh, so there is still room to kind of beef up that edge room, and JT could be a great fit for him. The next team that we're going to talk about is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, just look at their secondary. They need a lot of help still. Um, and you have helped out their secondary here. One, Quinion Mitchell, and two, Bo Braid. And listen, Bo Braid on any football team, I am down for. He's so a football player, Thank man. you very much. Yeah. He is a football player. Yeah, Quinion Mitchell was one. I think I mocked him to the Steelers in my most recent seven-round mock. And it's kind of an interesting fit because – it's not so much a schematic fit, right? Like I do think he can do what they want him to do in their scheme, but they do play a lot of man coverage and press man. And mm-hmm. I think that's where he stands to improve the most. He doesn't have a ton of experience with press man. Uh, I do think he has good proportional length. I do think he has good physicality. Uh, so those things, in my opinion, in the foot speed and twitch is a very strong part of his game. So I, yeah. I think he has the tools to grow within that role. But I think early on, what he's going to be for Pittsburgh is you know, kind of just that that target funnel on the opposite side of Joey Porter Jr. And this was kind of a role that we saw Kalen King take on in 2022 when Joey Porter Jr. was having his breakout season, uh, ended up being the first pick in the second round to the Steelers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's pretty simple at the end of the day. It's hard to throw on a cornerback who has 34-inch arms and 4-4 speed, right? It's hard to throw on Joey Porter Jr. So he's already kind of taken on that appeal for the Steelers in his NFL career, where he's kind of dissuading quarterbacks from throwing his way because he's so good at closing those passing windows. And I look at Quinion Mitchell, a guy who had, I think, six interceptions and upwards of 40 pass deflections over the past two or three years, right? This guy's an elite ball hawk, and he's got the closing speed. He's got the route recognition ability. He's got the ball skills at the catch point, right? Very authoritative, taking those opportunities. So I look at him, and I think you're looking at a potential target funnel who can be very opportunistic. I look at him as a turnover generator and the speed to erase windows. Again, that's one thing that Pittsburgh still needs a lot more of. Levi Wallace ran a 4.64, and that shows up. He does not have the speed to cover those vertical threats either. I think Quinion Mitchell definitely has that. He's been timed in the 4.3s. He's got 23 mile per hour max speed. 
you want speed, you want playmaking ability, you want turnover generation. Um, I think those are all three things that Pittsburgh is lacking right now. And I think you can kind of take some liberties with the scheme fit because the impact fit is so great with Mitchell. He's one that I've really circled for the Steelers just because of what he can provide. And at the end of the day, you're right. They can't run out there next year with Levi Wallace and mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson back there. Because even though Pat was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for a very long time, he is no longer that player. The Denver Broncos could also use a cornerback still. And you have two fits here at cornerback. Two different players, too. So I'm very interested in this. You also have Laatu Latu as a fit here. And I love that for the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Talk me through all these fits. Yeah, Latu is just uh, its pretty simple. And I think the biggest thing is going to be medically, how is he going to check out there? Because if he does check out, I think the Broncos, they're still in the AFC playoff on, believe it or not. So there is a there is an outcome where they're picking in the 20s, right? But I do think wherever they pick, Latu will be in range for them. You know, if medicals check out, he is a top 15 player on my board. Um, I love the just the hand usage, right? I think that's kind of the well documented part of his game i mean this guy is an absolute technician he's got a very very deep bag of pass rush moves i mean you you look at them you know you think back i can't think of any specific movies right now but hey we're both uh gen zers right gen gen xers like no 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 are are you i'm a millennial oh my goodness man i'm a millennial man i'm old yeah, but I, I, I there's some I, I remember a few movies where, you know, you imagine just the cartoonish bad guy who's got that hat that's like, you know, he can pull stuff out of right. Like that's that's Laiutu Latu. He's got this bag, it's just endless, you know, you reach in, you can never find the bottom because he has so many different moves and counters to use and employ. And he's so good at using them at the drop of the hat too. You know, the reaction speed, the instincts in those, you know, heat of the moment, those contested situations. Uh, it's it's a very strong part of his game. And I think having that pass rushing ability, I think he is athletic enough. I think using the stand-up edge rusher, that attacking Vance Joseph scheme, uh, I think he's the perfect fit for that. So, I mean, it goes without saying, right? You watch the tape, you know, Laiatu Latu's got this. And then, you know, the, the yeah, Batman. Batman. Batman's tool belt. That's, that's what it is. sitting right there for you. I know. Damn it. I'm not much of a comic book movie guy. I I, I got to get into okay, that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. No, but like, I think, um, yeah, especially for scouts, right? Like, com- com- uh, communicating those things efficiently, that could be something too. Like, Thanos, Batman. I got to work on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start watching more movies. I know. Yeah, start I, watching I more movies. Yeah. I got I to gotta improve my culture. Listen, there's so, much, there's so much film to watch. Why would we watch movies, right? That's true. I tried to watch the Marvels the other day, and yeah. I had to stop and make food instead. It was terrible. Well, you got to break down uh, everything too that's the other part like oh how's uh-huh. her stance right oh no nope. uh-huh. she would get beat by a pass protector no nope. easy mm-hmm. easy win right there so it's like i can't turn that off i can't turn that but like and then yeah. the broncos going back to them real quick these corners too i think both these corners the reason i chose them josh newton and kaylin carson guys who can play man coverage at a high level kaylin carson on an island the foot speed the tenacity uh two very big parts of his game and then josh newton to me is one of the most technically sound corners in this class and then he also has very good vertical speed. So you don't have to worry about him getting beat over the top, good ball skills. Uh, two guys who I think, if you want a pass rushing unit that can reach the quarterback quickly with Laiatu Latu, and then corners who can suffocate receivers at stems, you know, play them close and contested, and then make plays on the ball and threaten that pass window, right? I think those two guys in particular really fit that too. The next one I'm very interested in because he's somebody who I haven't watched any of mm-hmm. this year and that's Wake Forest safety Malik Mustafa 
going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Talk me through it. Yeah, I like this one. I think uh, he just accepted his senior bowl invite a few days ago, I want to say. So I think he's a guy who could rise over the latter part of the process. You're looking at a rocked up 5'10", 208-pound safety who's got great physicality, great tackling ability downhill. I think the explosiveness, the closing speed, both very good parts of his game. But for me, the added element, because obviously, you know, playing next to Antoine Winfield Jr., right, you want a strong safety. You can come downhill and enforce a little bit. And I do think Malik Mustafa has that ability. He's very nuanced with his coverage rotations, too. Uh, But one thing that really stands out, especially this year, right, they signed Ryan Neal in free agency from the Seahawks. He had a great year with Seattle last year, but he has been pretty much a sieve in coverage this year. I mean, he's been letting big plays off left and right. So you want a guy who can be competent in coverage too. And I think not just that, but have the recovery speed to erase gaps down the field and, you know, recover when he does get beat at stems. Mustafa shows that on tape where, you know, there are times where he can be a little bit more disciplined down the field, but the speed, I mean, the dude is an easy accelerator. He's very fluid, very good at playing low in his stance, very efficient on his transitions. Uh, and he's got a good back pedal too. I think he has all the tools that you need to be a really solid coverage defender too. But then you can rotate him downhill. He's a brick wall at contact. He's a very good tackler. Uh, so I think just having that dual-sided support and coverage appeal uh, for me, if I'm looking at the safety class, if I'm the Buccaneers, right, I don't want to spend premium capital on that because I do think you can upgrade at a few other positions too. But if I can get that guy in round three or round four, I think that's a phenomenal value proposition. So to me, Malik Mustafa, he's got a great name too. I just love that name, yeah, for Mustafa. Sure. That's like it's a great tier, safety name. That's an S tier name, exactly, at the mm-hmm. safety position. So I would love to have that dual sided presence on the back end. And I think, you know, thinking of what they need, uh, I think it's a great fit. I I like that we're getting somebody to compliment what Antoine Winfield Jr. should have been doing the entire time because he's played a lot in the slot last year specifically. Mm-hmm. He's been playing more free safety this year, and I know that the Bucks defense hasn't been very good, and they've had a, a bunch of coverage busts down the field. They've had a couple of injuries to corners as well. But I do think getting that guy who can come downhill and be a hammer is something that they could really use at a high level. And if he can come in and play right away, we've seen a lot of safeties recently and just in general be those day two or day three guys come in and contribute right away. It's a position that has been really easy, I guess, to transition from one to the other, from college to the NFL level. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see how something like that would work in Tampa Bay because I do think that they are still trying to win in an NFC South that is not very good. The next one that we have, Byron Murphy, the second, staying in the state of Texas, going to Houston. I love this. I love it. I love everything about this. Give me an interior pass rusher just like you tried to do and you know somewhat successfully have been able to do with Malik Collins over the past couple of years you have Sheldon Rankins to kind of be that do-it-all guy give me somebody who can attack a gap give me somebody who can help out Will Anderson Jr. a little bit and then I would also like to see an edge rusher for them Uh, Mm -hmm. the problem with this edge class is it's just it kind of just falls off a cliff. I think Adisa Isaac might be the one guy that I would look at for the Texans, somebody who you know has a little bit of the speed element that you want because they they Kerry Hyder's really not that guy, hmm. um, and they don't really have that guy to complement Will. So and I've liked Chop Robinson at times too. I think the speed, the uh, physicality, the alignment, versatility. Has been yeah, they would just have to do it in the first round. Yeah, yeah that's the problem. That's the problem yeah. with that. But uh, yeah, Byron Murphy the second, real quick because I know you got a few fits here, but he's. 
well leveraged 6-1 3-10 ball of energy as a pass rusher but i think a really good run defender too and i think that gets glossed over on his tape but he's mm-hmm. very balanced very good at regaining leverage after initial losses uh and then just a hot motor guy who's always finishing plays so uh nothing that you would ever you know feel bad about having on the interior yeah uh so for me the atlanta falcons give me somebody who can come in and help out your aging Grady Jarrett. And I know that they have David Onyemata. I know that Contavious Street came in, but they, they need a guy who can come in and be a difference maker at the one technique. Somebody who can really eat glass and somebody who is a fantastic athlete. Where's number three? His name is McKinley Jackson. He is my favorite player in this NFL draft class. Uh, and I think that he would be a fun fit for the Atlanta Falcons. They need an edge rusher in the worst way as well. But I just don't see any like fits that come to me in that way because they really need a quarterback as well. Yeah. I think that's what where their target should be in the first round. Yeah, if you're ever mocking for the Falcons, like quarterback or wide receiver, right, that's usually the, the priority in round one. But, yeah, McKinley Jackson, man, I, I, I wrote his name on this defensive sheet because I was like, Dalton loves him. I know we got to get him on here, but help me out yeah. with the fits here. And Atlanta, mm-hmm. I think, stands out because this is a guy who I think – I do think he rivals Tavondre Sweat as the best nose tackle in the class. I think Tavondre is very good. but I don't Different think, players, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think Jackson gets his due either because I do think Jackson is a more viable pass rushing threat for right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little twitchier, a little more high energy, uh, and then just a sawed-off disruptor who can always – he can also eat double teams. Uh, there's a lot of appeal there. I think the Falcons, he could be exactly what they need to fully unlock that personnel group. The Colts, uh, I think the biggest issue that they've kind of had this year defensively has been those linebackers in coverage, yeah. uh, which which has been really weird because like I think Zaire Franklin is a pretty good player. EJ Speed, eh, has he really been it? Now he's injured. But I think somebody like Edrin Cooper, somebody who, listen, they had one playmaker and he destroyed his back and just really can't play anymore. Edrin Cooper is a guy who can come in and be that playmaker right away. He just has that innate ability that the Indianapolis Colts at linebacker have really looked for. Bobby Okereke had it as well. I was kind of surprised he didn't stick around. Mm-hmm. And he's been but phenomenal for already the Giants. Paid a linebacker. Yeah. It's been great for the Giants, but just those innate playmakers, and I think that Edrin Cooper can be that guy for them. Yeah, I mean, I still remember that, that one play against that run block and the that screen. screen that was the screen incredible. unreal that was when he's he got the length over. he's got great length he's got great athleticism so he kind of fits that mold for them as well the next one i have kansas city chiefs no matter what happens with chris jones i would like to get chris jones some help on the defensive interior and obviously they need a wide receiver in the worst way mm-hmm. but rook or horhoro I have to say it slow because I can't, even though I'm over here, I'm trying to learn Portuguese and it's a very fast language to kind of speak. Or Horhoro is just an absolute nightmare. So I think I I wrote up a scouting report and I was looking for the pronunciation. The H's are silent. So it's just a Rororo. A Rororo? A Rororo. I love that. I love that. It's so much easier. A Rororo. So Ruka Rororo. (laughs) That didn't sound easier. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Uh, so Rook um, is that versatile yeah. defender that 
Steve Spagnuolo can just do whatever the hell he wants with. And I like it because, you know, he is that, you know, 290-pound guy who can be alignment versatile with Chris Jones. And that's something that the Clemson defense has done a lot of in recent years. They did it with, went to the Saints this past year. Brian Brissett. Yeah, I can't say his name right either. But um, they did that with him. They played him a little bit on the edge. I I think Rue can do that as well. So you can kind of move him around and move him, play him interchangeably with Chris Jones. And so I think that that would be a pretty decent fit for them defensively because they don't need... They don't need secondary help. Their secondary is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his alignment versatility is one of the most fun things on his tape, I think. You go back to, you know, 2021, 2022, he's playing a five-tech, and he's, you know, really got that elite explosiveness and proportional length to really be a, yeah. a top-level disruptor in multiple spots. And still, he's, he was at Clemson for five years, but still, in the grand scheme of things, pretty new to football. Yeah, overall. for sure. He started in his junior year in high school. So yeah. there's still a lot of room to keep going up. The Miami Dolphins are the last team we are going to talk about. Please, please, please. Vic Fangio needs two good safeties. Not one good safety. He needs two good safeties to really maximize his defense. And Jalen Ramsey coming back and being able to play corner and safety at the same time because he's just not human is a big help for that defense. But give me somebody who can play in a split safety role that has a trigger that is hairpin. And for me, that guy is Bo Braid. Yeah. But I also like the idea of getting a hammer to Javon Holland's nail. And for me, that guy is Cole Bishop. 6'2", 210 pounds, can come in and be that guy who can play in that split safety role and and not be any sort of um, a liability in coverage whatsoever. I think playing him in a true free safety role might be a little bit difficult, but that's not what he would have to do here. He would be playing forward a lot more. And Braid and Bishop, for me, Braid more in a coverage perspective and Bishop more in that role of coming downhill and being able to play the alley and the run and be somebody who can come in and play forward in coverage as well. Those two guys, for me, I would love that to complete that secondary in Miami. Yeah, I think that's a perfect diagnosis of what they need and who would fill that. I think um, Bo Braid is definitely a guy. Like, he can come downhill. Like, he's very good at doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a very twitched-up competitor. But I think, you know, he's just your all-around utility safety. I mean, whatever you need him to do, aside from, like, single high, right? Like, I don't know if he has the range to fulfill that. But I do think too high, right? He's fluid. He reacts mm-hmm. very quickly to route breaks. He's got very good eyes, very good positioning. Uh, and then the twitched-up nature of his athleticism, the explosiveness, the closing speed, the physicality, uh, and then the frame density, too. I mean, he's a guy who will hold up at contact, and you love to see that. So a guy who can kind of do it all. And then in Cole Bishop, a guy who, like you said, you know his his best work comes when he's playing forward, when he's playing blocks, when he's preventing displacement, and then deconstructing those blocks and making plays in pursuit downhill. I think his ability to attack is the best thing on his tape, and I think the Dolphins need someone who can do all three of those. Right, Javon Holland is your coverage wild card. You know, you've got Bo Braid, who's who's your utility safety who can just do everything, and then Cole Bishop is your attacker. I think getting those three and checking those boxes. That's how you complete that unit, and the personnel is there to do it in the 2024 class. That's all we got. We are under 45 minutes Let's still. Go. We did it. Uh, we're not that much under 45 minutes, so we will be getting out of here quickly. We'll is take our dubs when we, get, like to when say? we get them. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, this is weird. Two weeks in a row, I've had something to 
room to say something. I, again, I don't know what to say. I always get kind of flat-footed in these situations. But uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, the holidays are coming up. Make, it, make sure you spend some time with your family, uh, your loved ones. Make sure you spend some time enjoying uh, the time that you have. And uh, we're going to be back with more content. We've got the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl in the next month. It'll be late January, early February. But we're going to have more scouting reports. Uh, coming in the lead up to that we're gonna have more mock drafts and Mm -hmm. more podcasts we'll have a mailbag next month uh we're due for that soon here so we'll get that going but um aside from that stick with us and uh thank you all for listening again appreciate it and as always guys five stars uh give us comments on youtube as well and always remember that we love you goodbye